This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks, Adam here from How You Going Mate and welcome to episode 59 of our podcast. Yes, we are officially back recording with guests. Now, we did take a few months off. In fact, I wasn't really sure when we had released the last episode, but it turned out it was the 27th of March this year. Uh, it is now the 6th of August this year, so we uh, have had a pretty significant break. Part of the reason we did that, and we talked about this in the uh, Allow Me to Introduce Myself, Reintroduce Myself uh, episode, part of the reason we did that was because we wanted to uh, go and reevaluate what we were doing with our podcast. We needed to We needed to have a think about sort of the direction we wanted to head in. And of course, uh, we explained all the reasons. If you want to know why we took the break, go and have a listen to the the previous episode of the podcast. But of course, one of the things that we did want to do this this year or, or when we came back was to have experts, to have people who uh, were, were experts and had some level of expertise. We've always focused on talking to people who are probably how would we say, have a lived experience and have an everyday story to tell and have some really good ideas and tips for managing and supporting good mental health, but we've never really had experts on. So Rafia is a qualified counsellor. Uh, she is a, uh, a mental health professional with over 17 years worth of experience supporting people with mental health issues and mental health conditions, including severe and persistent mental health conditions. She's also uh, experienced in leading teams of people uh, to, who support people with mental health conditions. So she's got some really fantastic perspectives, and one of the things that we love in our podcast is when we have somebody come on who actually has uh, a different idea, uh, something we haven't heard before in terms of the way we can manage our mental health. So have a little bit of a listen. You'll hear Rafia talk about using counselling to maintain our good mental health. Uh, that's a really interesting perspective and not something we've heard before. And also she talks a little bit, bit about gestalt therapy, which is uh, her her particular area of expertise and, and, and the way she approaches mental health and, and counselling and, and talking to people about their mental health issues. So if you think you've got someone that can benefit from listening to the podcast, please share it. Don't forget you can listen to us on all of the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all of the affiliated uh, podcasting apps so we can listen to us literally all over the world. We thank you for your continued support. We hope you love what we come up with in the next few weeks. We've got some fantastic episodes coming through. But for the meantime, let's have a listen to Rafia, um, and we're going to start with the uh, the question that we ask every single one of our guests. Ooh, Rafia, how you going, mate? Yeah, good, good, <laughs> thank you. Now, uh, we, we, we've spoken a little bit off air, but I've, just so the listeners understand, um, this is weird because this is my first remote recording. So this is brand new, I've never done it like this before. Um, hopefully it sounds good. That's the plan. Um, not not that you won't be good. I mean that it actually sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you. I, um, 
I'm just worried about my technology being so minimal and nah. um, I'm using my phone, so I don't know about the quality, but hopefully it's good enough. It's um, I, I've actually I did a few tests um, on different different ways to do this. Um, an actual phone call, phone call tends to have interference. Um, face, oh, okay. FaceTime has sort of the same thing. Of all the tests I did, this was the best method. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, so that's good. so yeah. I mean, look. Uh, the other thing I think with lockdown or the, this this whole thing is we've gotten used to. Um, so, like you watch TV shows where they're doing Zoom interviews now, where they would never have done that before, and so we've kind of gone. Oh well, we can accept a little bit lesser quality. You know, that's fine. That's okay. It's not the end of the world. Um, and we're lucky to live in a 21st century where we can video call. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if COVID happened, um, I don't know, let's say 20 years ago or oh, maybe 40 years ago? Man. People I, I, would have been completely isolated. Uh, it, it, yeah, absolutely. It would have just been like literally just phone calls. Yeah, yeah. I, I always say I always say not COVID related, but when I was um, in when I was probably twenty four, uh, so back in two thousand, I tore my calf muscle playing rugby, and I had to got told I had to sit on the lounge for three weeks and do nothing. I couldn't move, um, and that was pre everything. So there was no no internet, no smartphones, no streaming services, no YouTube. All I had was daytime TV, a video player, and a PlayStation. And it was torture. <laughs> and so I sit and I think now, I'm like, I can imagine. imagine this. Imagine if I had nothing other than just, you know, like TV. <laughs> well, having said that, it wouldn't be so yeah, bad because yeah. we have to watch a lot of rubbish on TV. So it mightn't be terrible, but anyway. Yeah, I just imagine the isolation that you would have been in, yeah. and and the impact of that on mental health. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is I look. I maybe you'll agree or disagree. I you know tell me, but I t- say to people all the time, and I have this conversation as often as I'm allowed to. Um, you know, the big, the true pandemic is not this disease. Is not Delta variants or contacts or anything like that. It's going to be mental health. It's going to be suicide numbers. It's going to be, you know, the amount of people who are, as you say, isolated because of this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. It's just um, you can even notice the spike in um, in counselling services because of it. Mm. Um, because people, well, the good the good thing is that people are reaching out. Mm-hmm. Um, but not all will reach out and some will probably live in isolation and that can be quite dangerous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and especially the, um, the elderly in this state, in this situation, because they still don't really use the technology as much. And some of them live alone, completely alone and don't have, I mean, they they can't be visited by family or anything like that, so they're completely isolated. Yeah, we were having this, um, my in-laws uh, both have pretty significant health issues, and we were sort of having this discussion tonight, actually, about whether we could visit them, um, because they really are, they're actually very isolated themselves. You know, no one can go and see them, um, and they live in suburbia. I mean, they're not a million miles away from everybody, but 
they can't move and they're sitting in their house doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. 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 So we'll do a little, there'll be an intro at the top of this. I'll pre-record an intro after this and, and tell everyone who you are. But just for context and people understanding this, um, a little bit, tell us a little bit about you and what you do and, because one of the things I said to you is, was, I need experts. I need people that actually can give me expert opinions on this <laughs> and professional opinions on this. So, tell us a little bit about. Give us a give us the Rafia backstory in two minutes or less. <laughs> you're not you're not limited to two minutes, by the way. So, time missed. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so it all started with me. Um, having a lived experience. Yep. Uh, I have a diagnosis of bipolar as well as uh, PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as a, as a teenager, I really, really struggled with mental health, mm-hmm. um, which um, required me to, to get support. And so I started seeing a counselor and I also um, had to see a psychiatrist. Um, with their help, I started to feel my life was starting to shift in a better direction. Mm -hmm. And as this happened, I started to have more and more interest in this, especially that I grew up in a culture that didn't understand mental health Mm -hmm. and mental health was something to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. And my family, um, hid this from family members and friends for a while because um, they were worried about the repercussions of saying to people, oh, you know, she's someone with a with a mental illness. And, mm. um, yeah, so I just – I experienced stigma. I really experienced the stigma uh, firsthand, and I just didn't want anyone else to go through what I went through because it felt so lonely. I was going through it alone. Almost. Mm. I mean, I had my immediate family next to me and I had them supporting me in saying supporting me in the way they knew how. And it wasn't a way where they actually really knew much about how to do it or the best way to do it or um, what was supportive of me. I mean, their answer was most of the time for my mother when I would be talking about a, a struggle that I was experiencing, she would say, well, there are people that are worse off. Mm. And <laughs> this comment was not helpful at all. Uh, I know in, in her own way, she was trying to make me feel better. Yeah, yeah. But the comment itself did not make me feel better at all. It never does. <laughs> uh, because I felt like my experience, yeah, like my experience wasn't, wasn't big enough. So why was I making a fuss about it? Why was I experiencing such difficulty when it's not so bad and my life is not so bad? So why am I like this? And um, so it was a very, very difficult experience and I didn't want others to go through it, um, even though they do, but I wanted to try and bring change. I wanted to do something that could help maybe one or two people, if not more. And so I started learning about mental health. Um, I did a diploma in uh, counseling and I did a bachelor's degree in psychological science. 
then I went into um, a postgraduate uh, of Gestalt therapy, and I'm now in third year Gestalt therapy masters. Wow. Um, and I have li- worked with the mental health community for 17 years now, since 2004. That would be 17 years, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, sounds about right. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And at the moment, I'm um, working as a counsellor in private practice, uh, working with individuals and with couples. How, going back to what you would... <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. I may need it one day. Couples, I'll just write that down. Cool. Okay. Um, well, it just depends on how long we're in lockdown for. <laughs> um, just so it's in my head, I just went on a little tangent. In my head, it's just like, is there ever a conversation in your house where your husband just goes, stop analysing me? <laughs> Stop diagnosing. Oh yes, me. very, very much so. I'm not your client. <laughs> I'm not your client. <laughs> Except unless the times where we probably might need to be. I don't know. Maybe I'm sure I would. Um, <laughs> that that going back to that idea of stigma. The more people I talk to, the the universal theme I see is a couple of things. As you say, I I, I think every culture has shame and stigma around mental health. I haven't seen one that doesn't. Um, in my experience, though, it's the, the depth that varies. You know, in some cultures, it's just kind of a shameful little secret that we keep hidden from the family, but everyone kind of knows about. And in other cultures, it's like damning. You know, it's a black mark against the family. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Um, how do we How do we beat that? How do we stop that? Awareness and education, um, and that's why I'm here today. That's why I would do this over and over, and mm. that's why I got involved with um, the Recovery College um, because I just want to bring awareness to the community as much as I can. Um, <coughs> sorry, with awareness, people can look at mental health from a different perspective. I mean, if if you are living um, with a diagnosis of diabetes, for example, mm. you would go and see a doctor and get help. And when you're asked, are you, um, can you eat this food or can you do this? You might say, no, sorry, I'm diabetic. So if someone comes to me and says, can you do this? And I know it's a trigger for me. Then I want to be able to say, I'm sorry, I think that could be a trigger for me. Um, mm. Maybe I would need support for me to do it or maybe I would steer away from it. Or I need to have that freedom to be able to voice um, that, you know, I'm, I'm someone with a lived experience and it's okay. It's just like diabetes. It's just like any other uh, physical illness that we experience. I love that analogy. I love. I mean, that. most of the time you go for a job interview, and I mean, you you go for a job interview, and a lot of the times you try to hide that you you are someone with a lived experience because yeah. you're worried about oh, they're gonna, you know, start thinking I'm not good enough for the job or I can't do the job or I wouldn't handle it, and it's not the case. Just because I have a lived experience, it doesn't mean I can't handle situations. It just means 
that I'm more sensitive to them. Yeah. And most of the time you find that people with a lived experience are more aware than someone who doesn't have a lived experience around what is a trigger and what's not. And so they are likely to handle situations not better, but fairly well because they know what is a trigger and what's not and what they need to do to self-care. Especially um, individuals who live with a mental illness who have done the work on themselves and have gotten support and help um, to, to achieve personal growth. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the, the, where my mind is going with the analogy, you know, you have diabetes and you can't eat certain foods, but that doesn't stop you from going out to dinner and being a part of people's lives and connecting. It just means that you go out to dinner and you just are aware that you can't do certain things or you need to be aware of certain situations. So it's the same for living with a mental health issue. You, You can still participate. You've just got to be aware of how you participate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just have, have awareness, and I, and I, that comes with with um, with support, with with the right supports in place, with the right help, with the right awareness, uh, level of awareness. Then we can, um, for example, for me, um, I know um, for a fact that um, when I'm around. When I'm with a client who has um, a lived experience of trauma, uh, of previous trauma, mm. um, I'm aware that can be a, a bit of a trigger for me. I don't stop working with them. I mm. continue to work with them. I'm just more aware of it. Mm. And I do work around my, for myself afterwards mm. to make sure that I'm not triggered by it. What would that work look like? What would you do? Like, How would you manage that? Um, I'm big on meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe in meditation and the help of meditation. Yep. Uh, self-care. So if I'm aware that, yeah, I, I just heard a story that really, really impacted me. I let my family know. I say, look, I just went, I just had a moment. I sat with a client and what they explained was a bit of a trigger for me. Uh, I just want you to be aware um, be mindful of what my state of mind might be and support me through it. And you'd be surprised how much the support of others can be very, very helpful to our mental health. And then I make sure that I have a self-care moment afterwards, which is meditation, um, yoga, uh, maybe have a long bath, um, Whatever it is that works for you. I mean, different people have different strategies that yeah. work for them. I personally go for meditation. Yeah. But some others might say, you know what, I'll have a glass of wine as long as it beca- doesn't become 10. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, a glass of wine is fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's the risk, isn't it? That, <laughs> you know, um, I, I sort of say, I say every time I read someone who posts on Facebook or social media somewhere that says, you know, oh, I've had a bastard of a day today. I can't wait to get home and have a wine. I'm like, really, what you're writing is, oh, I've had a really bad day today. I can't wait to go home and medicate my mental health for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of this, it's very, very important for me to, to mention that 
counseling and therapy are not just for repair. Mm -hmm. So most of us only go to see a counselor when we're really unwell. <laughs> but I believe in maintenance and prevention. Yep. I have, I see a counselor on regular basis. It's part of my routine. It's almost a routine for me. Mm -hmm. So just like I practice meditation for my mental health, just like I try to eat healthy for my physical health and my mental health, yeah. I also make sure that I have a counselor always. And the reason for that is mental health is not a destination. We're never going to be able to just mm. reach a place and say, ah, I am perfect. Yeah. You know, perfection doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. It's a journey. Yeah. And we'll have good days and we'll have bad days and then we'll have more bad days and then we'll have good days and then maybe more bad days and so on. And life just goes on that way. Yeah. So by having a counselor there at all times um, on a regular basis, it allows us to work through the bad days and maintain a level of low that is not too low and a level of high that is not too high so that we don't crash. And so our life is more um, balanced, if you if you like to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... And hopefully it prevents us from becoming too low or getting to the very, very low. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> See, this is why I had you on. I knew you'd have something. I knew you'd give us something. We never. The, <laughs> the thing I love when I hear the, have these conversations when something gives someone gives me something I haven't heard before, and I mean, um, no one said that to us before. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense if you and. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone, if you don't have a mental health issue, you should just go rush out and see a counsellor tomorrow. But if you've had that history, rather than, you know, just go when you're in crisis, go like, like a car. Don't wait till the car's broken down. Get it serviced on a regular basis so it, you know, it's next time when you have something really bad happen, it's not as bad. It's just, you know, a bit more manageable. So... Yeah, I, I, that's where. Sorry, that's where my head went with it. It's kind of like, you know, just keep you maintain yourself. And you, you, you don't. Yeah, and you don't have to see the counselor every day. You don't have to see the counselor every week. If you're uh, going through a, a a reasonable well stage, mm. then you can see them once a month, maybe once every two months, and then as if you know, you start having bad days or you know you start struggling a little bit more then you can increase you know the the appointments to maybe once a fortnight or once a week until you're better again and then you can decrease them again um so they don't have to be you know they can be as regular as you need them to be and can be as spaced out as you want them to be hmm. yeah i'd imagine it also almost um like if you were in a position where you know we, you you're going through some stuff, but you knew you were going to see your counsellor that week or within the next couple of days, it'd almost be a bit of a you know a encouragement to kind of okay, I'm going to get to go and see Raf here in a couple of days, so I'll get to talk to her and I'll get to offload and you know I can help she can help me process it. So you know just tough it out because I've got someone there that I can go and talk to versus not having that at all. Yeah, yeah. 
exactly. And um, and even if you don't, you're not someone who lives with mental health. Counseling doesn't only um, happen to be useful for people with mental illness. Sometimes counseling can be um, with a personal development goal. For example, um, I remember, uh, I'll give you an example. I actually remember um, when I started uh, my Gestalt journey, um, as part of the requirements for you to um, to go through the course, you have to see a counsellor um, a minimum of 10 times a year. <laughs> and so I went to the appointment with the aim of seeing her, you know, 10 times a year, the bare minimum, whatever I have to do, I will just get it done and get out. Mm. And I remember walking into the room and sitting in front of her and she says to me, so what brings you here today? And I said, you know what? I have the perfect life. I have nothing to talk about. <laughs> My life is great. And then I remember within five to ten minutes, I was bursting in tears. <laughs> <laughs> and she was passing me tissues. Um, it, it's just um, interesting how much is in our unconscious mind mm. Um, just sitting below the surface and is dictating everything we do in our day-to-day -day life without us even realizing that mm. it is. Mm. Um, our reactions, our responses, our behaviors, everything we do are, um, are, impact, are influenced by our past experiences, by our values, by our beliefs, by our... Um, environment by other environmental factors yeah. so we find that sometimes it can be uh, even a, just a communication with someone um, when they communicate a message to us they're communicating their own beliefs their own values their own perceptions mm -hmm. everything that they have experienced in life and our response to it is also everything we've experienced, everything we believed, everything we've gone through, and all the environmental factors that have come to play in this instance. Mm. So we find ourselves, um, when we're responding to a message or receiving a message, our perception of that message is not just what is being communicated, but also what we're bringing to it. So what I mean to say is that if we've experienced some challenges in the past, or we, and we all have, every person yeah. has experienced a difficult time in their life, some more difficult, some less difficult, but we all have experienced a difficult time in our lives. And that difficult time will come to play on, in, on a day-to-day -day basis in every interaction we have. Yeah, yeah. So becoming aware of it will teach us a lot about ourselves and our responses to others. And we'll improve our relationships. We'll improve everything that we do in life. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's all, It's like, so uh, one of my co-workers that, that sit next, sits next to me is a relatively new person. You've met her. You know who she is. Um, talks about the fact that her, her uh, system or her philosophy is that who we are as people is built... Um, is basically locked in by the age of seven. Um, that 
and all of the the sort of subconscious unconscious things that are happening all of the as she refers to them the tapes that are playing in the background have all been recorded by the age of seven you absorb all this stuff i don't know if seven's the number i'm not an expert in that and you might have a different idea on this but i i think there are so many times and sometimes it's really obvious you know um if you've had a say a, a traumatic experience where you've been assaulted you know in a certain area of 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 the city you know you're going to be afraid to go in that part of the city so it'll be obvious why you don't want to go there it's that's why it's going to happen but there could have been other things that have happened that you kind of don't like or you react to or you respond to and you never really understand why until you actually take the time to dig in and say well well why do I do this why do I feel that way why does this make me feel like this you know um so yeah i i, I 100% agree i think it's fit. i think it's absolutely correct I, I had a client who came to me and she was she said to me, I was actually the whole time I'm thinking I had an appointment. I wanted to talk to you about how angry I am with my partner. Mm. And uh, she went on to explain to me, you know, how what what he had said to her and how she felt about it. And she said, I know it's not his intentions. I know he wants to be supportive of mm. me. Um, but he just said these things and I'm... I, I'm just so angry at him. I, I, I don't know. Actually, no, I don't know if I'm angry at him. Maybe I'm angry at myself. I don't know. I'm just angry. And I said to her, okay. And we just had this conversation about, you know, the influence of our past experiences, mm. of, of our beliefs, of our values, to the message that we receive. And she said to me, you know what? I can actually pinpoint an experience that I had in the past that what he said reminds me of that experience that makes me so angry. So in fact, I'm not angry at him. I'm angry at that situation that I experienced in the past. And that's why I'm angry. So she went from wanting to have an argument with her partner (laughs) and um, being really angry with him to realizing that she wasn't angry at him at all. She was only angry because the message that he um, communicated to her re- triggered a response yeah. that was from the past. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you then how do you then get her to um? How does she then deal with that? Like, how does she then change that? Um, you'd be surprised when we talk about our experiences and we raise awareness. Awareness can do a lot. Awareness mm. can trigger a chain of events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that chain of events can be towards change. Mm. So we're entitled to our emotions. Mm-hmm. We are very entitled to our emotions. No, There is no should way about how we should feel. Mm. Some people say to me, oh, I shouldn't feel this way. Well, you know what? You do. Mm. And that's okay. We can't change how we feel. Mm. How we feel is set based on what we've experienced, based on our values, based on our beliefs, based on our upbringing, based on a lot of factors. Probably a social so if I feel expectations angry, as well. Yeah, probably so, you know, like if someone dies, well, you should yes. be sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if I'm angry and I'm aware of my anger and where the source of anger is, yep. then I can decide to change my reaction. Mm -hmm. So I may not be able to change how I feel, 
but I can change how I react to it or yeah. how I respond to it. Yeah. So by her becoming aware that her anger is not coming from her partner, but from that past experience, although it was triggered by her partner, what her partner said, she's now aware of it. So her response to her partner will be different mm. based on that awareness. Yeah. And and perhaps well, a couple of things that spring to mind is number one, then she also has the opportunity to actively challenge that experience, you know, actively go back and and as we were talking about earlier, reframe it, change how, how she responds to it. Um, but also, I mean, from the partner's perspective, he can't possibly know everything that's going to trigger her. He can't possibly work that exactly. out. Yeah. Exactly, so, exactly. But with her awareness of it, she may be able to voice it to him and say, look, I've had this experience and when you say this, yeah. it triggers that past experience in me. Or she may be able to develop her own ability to control her reactions so with that awareness and respond differently to the partner. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if um, perhaps if she has enough insight or understanding, she can apply that same lesson to a whole range, like, you know, there'll be something else down the track that will trigger, something else down the track she'll respond to. So maybe, hopefully, she learns, okay, the thing that happened last time that triggered me, I've got to apply that this time as well and and try and understand why it triggered me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With having awareness that our response to someone else's message is not solely that message, but also what we bring to it, can help us communicate better because it can help us become more aware and sit back and think, why am I responding in this way? Mm. What is the reason that I'm responding in this way? Is it the message itself or is it really something that I bring to it? Mm. And I've I've also got a picture of the husband sitting back and she's going, honey, it actually wasn't your fault. It was something to do with me and husband going, sorry, what? It wasn't my fault. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah that's unusual <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'll take that one um the other one i yeah the other the, the other thing i touched on you touched on earlier on and this is something that always i think about this a lot actually is the idea of a problem being big enough um you know you mentioned like you know i have this i had this great life i had a good family I had a good upbringing I lived in a nice house i had these things, but, you know, I, I, why do I feel this way? It's, you know, and your mum said it's not so bad, and you go, eh, my problem's not big enough. I don't deserve to feel like this. I don't, you know, and again, if we look at other people, we go, oh, well, you know, that person's got it worse than me, or that person's got it worse than me. What's your perspective on this? How do we say to someone it doesn't matter how big the problem is? Um. I think by raising awareness to the fact that they're being influenced by the shoulds of the community Mm. and the expectations of the community. Yeah. So if I'm aware that this problem is big enough for me and it's being influenced by external factors to tell me that it's not big enough, Mm. then I question that these expectations, these external expectations um, that are surrounding me or that that are being fed to me. Um, a big thing in Gestalt is um, where when we try and when when, I, when we're working with a client, we try to avoid the shoulds. 
Okay. So when they say, I shouldn't feel this way, I would raise their awareness to should. Should is usually an external expectation. Yeah, yeah. A societal expectation, an yeah. environmental expectation. Hmm. So the first step would be to start being more aware of our language because hmm. believe it or not, the words that we say are hmm. very much taken deep into our un unconsciousness. Yeah, yeah. So first step would be for us to be aware of our language. So when I'm about to say I shouldn't, I stop myself and go, hang on. Who dictates what should and shouldn't be? Mm -hmm. It's not about the shoulds and shouldn't be. It's about what is true for me right now. Mm. And if I'm angry right now and the society thinks I shouldn't be angry, mm. I am angry. I'm entitled to my anger. This is how I feel right now. Again, maybe my um, reaction, maybe my reaction can impact people around me. And so I'm aware of my response and my reaction. And I can, con I can manage and, and control my response and reaction. Hmm. But emotions, I cannot do anything about them right now. This is how I'm feeling. I'm angry hmm. and I'm entitled to my anger. So I think the first step would be to be very, very mindful and aware of our own language. Yeah. And rather than go, I should or shouldn't feel this way, just explore why you feel that way and understand that before you make a judgment on whether you should or shouldn't feel it. Yeah, I, I don't think there is an actual way for should. I don't think there's an actual way that we should or shouldn't feel. I don't think that there's... I mean, who who dictates this? Who comes up with these <laughs> rules and guidelines? Oh, yeah, it's. I, I mean, I guess it's on some level, it's a you know sort of social expectation. You know, social. You know, if someone dies, you feel sad. If someone is born, you feel happy. If, but also it's that. Um, I guess the idea and the example I use when I when I think about this is. You know, for example, the, the, the rock star Chris Cornell, who um, was lead singer of the band Soundgarden, and he suicided a, a few years back now in a um, uh, in a hotel room. And, you know, most people look at Chris Cornell and go, mate, you are living the dream. You are a rock star. You're traveling the world. You're creating. You've got this great voice. You've got this incredible talent. You've got this wealth. You've got everything to live for why why did you do that like what have you got and that the you know the, the old question you know, what do you got to be depressed about you know um yeah and it's it's to me that's where my head goes when i think about this should should an argument like you know like again i'm just going to say it not because i i necessarily believe this but he shouldn't have anything to worry about <laughs> you know every, every person that i know stood in front of a mirror with a hairbrush when they were a kid and pretended they were at a rock a rock star you know, this guy was a rock star and, you know, he lived most people's dreams and it wasn't enough. <laughs> but you said it, he lived most people's dreams, was it his own? Yeah, well, maybe it wasn't. Or maybe the re reality and, is different and, to the dream. And when you when you mentioned that, you know, if someone dies, you, you should be sad, Um whether I'm sad or I'm happy does not impact anyone and it doesn't impact the person who died. Mm. 
my emotions are my own. It, I, if I don't, you know, if I'm going to get up at his funeral and do a song and dance and um, celebrate, mm. that's different. Mm. But if I'm feeling, if I'm not feeling sad in this moment, that's my emotion. Mm. It's not impacting on anyone. Mm. It's my actions and behaviors and responses to my emotions that can impact others. How you express And that. this is what I need to be aware of. Mm. I need to be aware of my impact on others. Yes, mm. fair enough, because we live in a community. We live in, um, we don't live alone. We, we, we are relational beings. Mm-hmm. My behaviors, my actions, my responses can impact others. My emotions can only impact me. Mm. Okay. Okay, so there's a real separation there between your your response versus for you personally and how you process it versus then how you then express that and how that impacts on other people. That's my belief. I mean, yeah. you know, there's no written rule about it, but reality is if you, if you think about it, whether you're happy or sad, um, if your actions are not, harmful to others hmm. how are you impacting others with it hmm. Hmm. well i guess the only way that happens is if your your reactions are harmful on yourself which in turn would impact others so that's probably by default so that's an action that's yeah. a behavior that's a yeah. reaction yeah but I'm, I'm i'm separating the emotion versus the action yeah so feeling an emotion, we don't always have to react based on that emotion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, We're entitled to our own emotions. And just we just have to be aware of our actions. And perhaps just be aware you know, you feel that emotion, you be aware of that emotion, you process that emotion. Um and maybe a bit for lack of a better term, mindful of how you express that emotion. Um, and and understand that maybe the expression of that, of that emotion might actually have a really negative impact on other people. Not to say you shouldn't express it, just to say that this is probably what will happen. Well, you can always express your emotion. It's hmm. how you express it that's that's um, that can impact others. Okay. So if I'm sad, and if I approach you and I say, I'm just feeling sad right now. I just hmm. need some time for myself Hmm. i've expressed my sadness but i didn't do it in a harmful way to you yeah but if i'm sad and i come and start being angry at you and and you know um doing harmful things to you as in response to my sadness Hmm. this is when i'm impacting you okay yeah makes perfect sense so is that is that gestalt or is that raffia (laughs) (laughs) um I don't. I, I'm pretty sure, as we talked about, you know, you, you're impacted by, uh, you're influenced by your experiences, by your education, yeah. by your everything. So I'm sure it could be a combination of things. <laughs> You've just melded them in. So I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm keen on this to just explore for a little bit this gestalt, this idea of the gestalt therapy. Is there a sort of a, a core kind of belief, like a thing that kind of sums up what what gestalt believes, or is it more complex than that. <laughs> it's um, it's very complex. 
um, I am in third year and I have one more year to go um, for me to finish my master's. And believe it or not, we still struggle um, with ways to explain it. But if I was to put it in a nutshell, in a very, very simple way, and please don't quote me on it because that's not the full version of it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about raising awareness. Mm -hmm. So, um, one, we don't, we don't try. So say, for example, you say to me, I'm angry. Um, I'm not just regulating your anger. I'm also working with you to raise awareness to where it's coming from. Mm. Um, but also with raising awareness, there's, um, you can call it like an informed choice. Mm. By me being aware of what is actually going on for me, I can make an informed decision to what that means for me. Mm. Is it working for me? Is it not working for me? What do I do with it? And uh, we talk about creative adjustment, which is, um, for example, um, there's a situation that is difficult for us. We develop a creative adjustment for us to be able to cope with that situation. We talk about fixed gestalts, which is um, creative adjustments that once served us and no longer serve us now. So for example, um, a child that was brought up by neglectful parents, um, tried to seek attention on regular basis and just didn't get the attention that he needed. So he built a wall, um, Mm -hmm. like a barrier, to protect himself and as a child it served him well because it protected him from the disappointment of neglect from the parents Mm -hmm. as he gets older um, when he's developing relationships he maintains the war and that war is no longer serving him because now he's not being able to make to um, develop meaningful relationships and and deep relationships Mm -hmm. because of that war that he built Um, we also talk about um, paradoxical theory of change, which is um, the belief that for us, in order to achieve change, we have to first ground ourselves in who we are in this, in in what we are. Hmm. Um, And the example that was given to me um, in the past is if we're standing on one leg, we're quite unstable. And if we try to take a step forward, standing on one leg, Mm. the step forward is going to be unstable. Mm. So the idea is for us to put both legs on the ground Mm. as a gesture for stabilizing ourselves within ourselves with the way that we are Mm. before we can take a step forward that is stable. Right. No. Yep. Makes perfect sense. I love it. I um I don't know if I ever told you this. We had this dis- we had this gestalt discussion probably maybe two years ago when we did this yeah. stuff at Recovery College. Yeah, yeah. And um, I went and bought a book on gestalt therapy. Um, started yeah. reading it and then just went, "Wow, this is really hard. <laughs> it was really complex." I still have it. It's in, on the other side of the green screen here. It's in the on my bookshelf. Um, but the thing that I um. The thing that I did take away, and going back to the first thing you said uh, around creative adjustment, was um, that that I that I, I've seen it called a couple of things: the cycle of experience or the cycle of awareness. 
And that really made, like, for me, you know how certain things you hear just resonate? And really, you go, that, yeah. that is, makes so much sense. And as you say, that the, the kid who built that wall up because that's how we learned how to respond. Like, I, I think it's actually true for every coping strategy. You know, the person yeah. that had the drink or did the drug or gambled or had sex or ate or whatever they did because that made them feel better in that instant. And then at some point that becomes a problem. That becomes an issue. That becomes something that has now taken, as you say, as you said before, have one glass of wine, not ten. Don't do it every night, <laughs> you know. But it becomes an issue. It becomes something that they then have to manage and and work out. And that that I've still, when I talk to people about that, that's kind of how I think. And I'm, and I'm probably changing it and interpreting it for my own in my own way. But that cycle of awareness thing really made sense to me when when I read it. And as you say, at some point you can understand that, okay, I'm here in the cycle. I've got a choice now. Do I keep doing what I've always done or do I understand why I do this and maybe make a change and go, is it serving me still or can I, can I do something different with it? Yeah, yeah. So when, we, when we're in session and we talk about – and a creative adjustment comes up, mm. uh, my question to them is, how did it serve you? Mm. Or how does it serve – does it still serve you? yeah. And if it does, then be it. And if it doesn't, then what can we do about it? Yeah, yeah. How can we change it? Makes perfect sense. It's good. Um, and, and again, this is why we've got you on here now. This is <laughs> these incredible insights, this cool stuff. And I mean, I, I, I'd love for people to hear this and try and, you know, go and Google. Go and Google this and, and understand a little bit. Go and have a look at it. Go and go and figure that out and and, you know. Um, go and talk to somebody. Go and go and try and understand yourself, or you know, or just to to bring it back to the second thing that you said, figure out how to put the second foot down so you can take the step forward. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And 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 let me let me clarify. I'm not the expert on Gestalt. As I said, <laughs> I haven't finished my studies, um, but uh, you know, you can't help but take what you know bits and pieces of it that you've learned and implement them in your everyday life. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I refer to it on a regular basis because I'm so um, passionate about it, but yeah. reality is I'm not the expert on it. So if you are interested in Gestalt, please go ahead and buy a book and read about it and yeah. learn about it. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of the, um, you know, earlier you touched on the self-care thing and you talked about, um, you know, you do what works for you and, and you take, you know, not everyone wants to meditate, not everyone wants to, to practice gratitudes, not everyone wants to go for a run. Um, but for me, I, you know, if you take little bits of things that work for you and you add them in and that becomes your self-care routine, I think it's the same with this kind of stuff. Like for me, um, I'll take a little bit of that gestalt therapy and I'll splash it in with a little bit of Buddhist theory and I'll put another other other bits and pieces. And the things that I that make sense for me and work for me, that's how I'll help myself to understand myself and process my emotions and process my thoughts and you know, all of the other things that we need to do to stay healthy. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not locked into yeah. a single train of thought either. I'm just like, whatever you, and of course we put a warning at the start. None of this is designed to, you know, <laughs> designed to uh, replace professional help or, you know, we're not experts. We're just telling you what we think we know. Yeah. And I think, I think the biggest, the biggest key, like the key to this all is to actually seek support. Yeah. 
find the right support for you. And when I say seek support, I mean find the right support for you. And I can't say that enough. Yeah. The amount of times I've had people come to me and say, oh, I tried counseling or psychology and it didn't work for me. And you know what? Yes, we all, oh, maybe not all, but a lot of us have had this experience where mm. we've had um, the odd counselor or psychologist that didn't work for us. Mm. That doesn't mean the counselor or the psychologist weren't good enough. Mm. It just means they weren't right for us. Mm-hmm. So I always say interview your counselor. Mm. Ask questions. Yep. Um, sit with them and see how you feel about them. They may be for you, they may not be for you. And there is no one counsellor for everyone. Yeah. Because the relationship in that counselling session is very, very important. So if you can't develop a connection with your therapist, it's yeah. just not going to work. Yeah. So interview counsellors. If the first one didn't work, try a second one. If the second one didn't work, try a third one hmm. until you find the right one for you. Yeah, I, um, I often say, I, I make the joke that I'm a a bit of a lightweight in the mental health world because, you know, the first medication I took worked for me and the first counsellor I saw I connected with. So, you know, I didn't go through a whole bunch of different stuff. I, I just kind of worked. But the, the counsellor that I saw, I went and saw him um, through the employee assistance program at work and I liked him so much that I went back to him on an ongoing basis for the next few months. Um, but it was it was it, like it was like love at first sight. <laughs> you know, I, I just I, like he was awesome, and I and he was you know, probably thirty years older than me at the time, twenty five years older than me. But I loved him. I just loved him, and I knew someone else that went and saw him, and they loved him too, but for different reasons. And and I think maybe he, I mean, he obviously was skilled enough to kind of go right. Oh, this is how I need to approach this person. This is how this person needs to be talked talk to, or whatever. But I love. I thought he was great. I you know just thought he was. I loved spending going. I actually enjoyed going and spending time with him. You know, yeah, enjoy the experience. And, and you got to enjoy it. If you don't, if you don't um, enjoy that relationship, or you don't gain anything from it, then what's the point of maintaining it? Just go to another one and try them. Yeah. But the idea behind this, I guess, the message behind this is: don't give up. Yeah, absolutely. Just because you tried one that didn't work for you, don't give up. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. There's enough evidence out there. There's enough research and and um, studies that prove mm. that it it works. It's just a matter of finding the right person to deal with you. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've got a little low battery um, thing flashing here, so we're going to have to wrap it up. And and I told you before we started that these sorry. things. Sorry. No, 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 no. Don't be sorry. <laughs> well, I told you before we started these things often go quicker than we we anticipate that they will. And um, this has, we're nearly at an hour. <laughs> That's how, Wow. Yeah, I know. People get really shocked about how quickly we go through this. But um, So we're nearly at an hour. But before we go, before the battery completely dies on me, um, the thing I'm curious to, to hear is, um, if we've talked a lot about counselling support and things you do. What's your go-to? Outside of meditation and counselling, what's your go-to for, for looking after your mental health? External support. Okay, so family, friends, connecting with people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is there's a healing factor in connecting with people? I like that. I like that. I think it's it's an overwhelming one that comes up for us all the time as well. So I'm, I think that's a good one. I think that's a good one. On that note, we might leave it there because it's nearly an hour. The battery's going to die in a second, and you've given us heaps of good stuff to think about. So hopefully, people <laughs> really like that. Thank you, Rafia. 
Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for this opportunity. I actually really enjoyed it. I know. And, um... Surprising how you do, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed it. And for me, um, as I said, I, I am about spreading the message and about raising awareness. So um, this this is, yeah, this has been a pleasure. All right, cool. I'm going to press stop. Thank you so much. Hi, folks. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of our podcast. Uh, before I go, could I please ask uh, just a couple of small favours? Number one, uh, we would very much, as we said at the start, love for you to review this podcast. And, of course, please share this podcast. Um, the reviews help us to uh, help other people to see what this podcast is about. And, of course, the sharing helps us to get our message out there. We don't have any money, so we're really relying on uh, social media to be able to spread this message. Uh, equally, if you listen to this podcast, now we do a warning at the start, but if you listen to this podcast and anything uh, triggered for you or it made you think about your own mental health or well-being or someone who you love's mental health or well-being, please uh, take steps to help to either manage that yourself or to support someone to manage their mental health. Uh, if you do feel like you are need to talk to somebody, uh, and you can't talk to friends or family, please go and see your GP. Or, of course, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Men's Line Australia on 1300 789978. Lifeline on 13 11 14. Or, of course, the Kids Helpline on 1800 551800. If you or someone that you love is in immediate danger, please call triple O. Uh, but at the very least, please um, find a way to manage your mental health and your mental health conditions. And please support the people that you love to manage their mental health and mental health conditions. And again, if something you've heard today triggers for you, please go and seek um, some support uh, immediately to manage your mental health condition, whether that's one of the helplines we just mentioned or the GP. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.